Hey, everybody. Welcome to Artifice episode 20. Can you believe it? Episode 20. It's already here. It's crazy. That means we're like almost a half a year in. It's very exciting. Uh, today's episode is my interview with Philip Bimstein. I'm so excited for you guys to hear it. I really loved talking with Philip. Uh, Philip is an alternative classical composer who lives in Salt Lake City and Springdale, Utah, where he served two terms as mayor. A recipient of grants and awards from the National Endowment for the Arts, Meet the Composer, American Composers Forum, Austria's Pre-Ars Electronica, and an Emmy Award from the National Academy of Television Arts and Sciences, Bimstein's music has been performed at Carnegie Hall, Lincoln Center, the Kennedy Center, the Bang on a Can Festival, Aspen Music Festival, Spoleto Festival, and London's Royal Opera House. You guys, you're going to enjoy it. I already know. Okay, here it comes. Sometimes art feels like magic, pure, visionary, and sometimes it's brought to you in part by focus groups and algorithms. And the makers of art are no different. We're creatives, sure, but we're also salespeople. We need imagination and imitation. We need deep, meaningful connections, but we also have to network. Yep, even if you're an introvert. And that's my point. Balancing vulnerability with veneer is tricky, and it's a struggle we don't often share. So let's share. I'm Emily Merrill, and this is Artifice. Today's episode of Artifice is brought to you by Vocalmist. Vocalmist is an incredible tool for singers, actors, public speakers, teachers, team leaders, and anyone for whom vocal health is a daily necessity. The latest findings indicate that using a nebulizer with isotonic saline can actually help your vocal cords create sound with reduced pressure. Featuring a removable face mask and USB rechargeable lithium batteries, Vocal Mist is an accessible way of getting rid of dry mucus, alleviating allergies, and keeping your voice working easily at any time of day. Visit myvocalmist.com and use promo code ARTIFICE, that's all caps A-R-T-I-F-I-C-E, for $10 off your Vocal Mist bundle package today. So um, I don't know if you got, it was woefully I did. Late. I read I, all of your things. I didn't watch the whole I, TED Talk. No, but that's, I, that's fine. I, I just, I, in the middle of yoga, I thought, I, have you know, I thought, oh my gosh, why did I never, that, that, that might be a way, because I was having a little bit of trouble with these things. I thought, well, if I approach it through the lens of what I'm teaching, yeah. then all of a sudden I can you be, have I can be a better conversational partner. Do you want to move that over so that you can look at you? Yeah, I mean, it's oh, up to you. Here. You can put it anywhere. Like this, you mean? Boom stands are flexible this way. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, before we start, uh, anyway, so I was ama- yeah. I'm amazed that you got a chance to look at it. Yes. I, I apologize. I didn't send it a week. I, I think know, I remember right. asking if you wanted anything and you said you didn't. Well, you actually had already sent me one of those. Oh, um, oh maybe just through my regular email. radical qu- quiet you sent before. Oh, that was probably an email blast. Uh, yeah, no, I think you sent it to me saying like maybe this is something we can talk oh, about. Oh, okay, I, didn't, I, I, I could be wrong. I, yeah, no, I could easily have done that. Probably when you first approached me, yeah. I was just doing my course. But before we start, I'm just curious. Of course, if this is a part of the conversation, that I could hold it till later. But I'm yeah. just curious what you're doing, performing wise and music wise, right oh, now. Um, yeah. Well, I just recorded a new album. Yeah. Uh, so I'm I'm working on kind of releasing that. I'm trying to do a better. Um, 
I'm trying to like market it a little bit more like intentionally and I'm, I'm out of my depth. So I'm, I'm taking time to mm-hmm. kind of figure out how to do that. Um, and I'm performing, I'm doing like, you know, every wedding gig. Yeah. So that's kind of probably the, the biggest source of like regular income for me during the summer. I'm teaching. I'd like to be teaching more. I love teaching my class at BYU. Um, I'm, I'm, a vocal class? I was teaching like a vocal jazz ensemble. Mm. So like a, you know, it's it's like 12 singers and then a piano, bass, drums, guitar. Oh. So it's like a big band, but voices instead of horns. Wow. Um, so that's kind of what my like, you know, my master's degree was so much of that. That's It's really like an expertise that I have that it's a little bit heartbreaking to not have somewhere for those skills to go. I know what you mean. Um, but it is what it is at this point in time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we're probably already recording, aren't we? We sure are. Oh my gosh. Ready to Have, start? Did we already begin? Okay. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I can I can chop off the beginning. Um, yeah, so this conversation that we're having today, it can be a lot of different things. I don't want to kind of like pigeonhole it any certain way. I just want to talk to people about their experiences and kind of philosophies about art. Um, I fully welcome like any conversation that you want to have about like politics in art or politics in music. Um, it really just anything. I, I think we all have like, you know, we all think about it. We all have like stories to tell. And I don't know, I haven't found like a platform where I feel like I'm, I'm able to hear from a lot of different kinds of artists, you know, kind of speaking candidly. So usually I kind of try to follow like these three categories. Like Mm -hmm. we sort of start with like, you know, your origin story. How did you become creative? How did you start exploring? You know, did you have kind of like any, you know, adversity, like as Brene Brown says, like art scars, um, as a, as a child. And then we can talk about like, you know, kind of the nuts and bolts of like how your career works and then get into all kinds of weeds about art and philosophy of art and whatever you want. Sounds good. So I'd love to start from the beginning and just talk about like, what were you like as a child? When did you kind of, you know, realize you were a creative child? What were you doing that was creative? Were your parents supportive? Anything's involved in that story. Well, on the last one, my parents were, uh, were definitely supportive. Great. Of us generally, and and specifically with regard to being creative, I don't know at what point I realized. I I, I think I was a creative child. I think all children yeah, are basically, I agree. Um, but not necessarily in an artistic way. Yeah. Uh, uh, just uh, cooking up things, imagining things. Yeah, I always had an active play, yeah. play uh, and play in my head. Yeah, imagination. I think yeah. was a big part of now being a composer. Um, uh, but, but the part that you asked about, when did I realize I was a creative child or something? I, I don't know that I had self-awareness um, uh, of yeah. that uh, aspect that I thought, gee, I'm a creative child. Yeah. It's probably more in retrospect that I I can think of things that I... Yes, I can think of things that I did and see how it led. Yeah. Now, when you say child, I'm thinking more like 10 years old and yeah. younger. Yeah. You know, as you move into the teens, then there are some specific things yeah. I did that 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 directly lead into uh, what I do with the music today. Great. Yeah. What well, I'd love to just hear about it. 
uh, how did you start getting into music? Just any kind of bullet points between like, you know, your earliest memories and when you're, you know, maybe going to college or leaving your parents' home or yeah. just what, what's the first like 20 years of your <laughs> life in terms of art and creativity? Well, uh, let's see. Try to be concise. I mean, I know, there's the, so much. That's yeah, why there, I don't like to be yeah. too specific because it's no. like you know what is significant in your well, life. I'll, I'll, try, I'll give a few quick shots and then and then get to what I think might be a little bit more significant. But I mean, as far as my earliest music, um, I, I think my first thing was getting a drum set for Christmas. Great. And uh, and I think I, I vaguely remember taking some drum lessons and having one of those pads. Yeah. Uh, and um, and then the drum set. But I don't think I got very far with that. Mm, so yeah. um, and then uh, then I took piano lessons. My mom played piano. She was uh, an amateur. Uh, but we had a piano in the house and I took piano lessons uh, but I think I quit taking that I'm talking about maybe 8, 9, 10, yeah. 11 years old I think I would rather uh, play baseball mm. um, yeah. and Interesting. Uh, not that I was on my way to becoming a pro but I just enjoyed it, it just was you know. where your interest was yeah so I didn't keep it up mm. uh, and I wish I had because yeah. I'll come back to that you know. but then in high school I got interested in folk music and well and then later rock yeah. but folk music first and so I got a guitar my dad Great bought me, you know, you asked if my parents were yeah. supportive. He bought me a, a nice nylon string guitar. And, um, and I started taking lessons at the Old Town School of Folk Music. Cool. I'm from Chicago. Okay. And, um, and, and then I became a, kind of a suburban, you yeah. know, folk singer. Great. Uh, and sang at a few parties at high school and enjoyed that. And then, the, you know, the British invasion came along, Beatles, Rolling Stones, yeah. Kinks, and so forth. And I started a rock band. Awesome. And uh, the rock... writing back then, too? Well, okay, that's a good question. Um, here's, here's where my uh, musical proficiencies took a, uh, a, a, a fork in the road yeah. um, because uh, I started learning the guitar. Now, as soon as I, I, so I can't remember what the first chord was, but for some reason, it was probably a C, but you know, for some reason I think of an E minor because it's like the easiest yeah. and yeah. then A minor is easy. And I remember as soon as I learned two chords, that's when my fork in the road mm. took me into being a composer or a songwriter. Yeah. Rather than being uh, a skillful guitarist. Yeah. I mean, I'm decent. I had, I've played professionally and, you know, I, I'm decent, but I never got, uh, I never developed my facility the yeah. way a lead guitarist does sure. because I was more interested in uh, uh seeing what comes up um, and as far as a structure. Yeah. Yes. So even with two chords, I noticed that you could change to the other chord at the moment that it yeah. seems like you ought to, right. and then back, and then you could, I could, uh, you know, I'm always amazed by people who say, I can't compose a melody. I say, yes, you can. Just start. Yeah. So I say, sing a note. Now sing another note. Okay, you got the start of a melody. Yeah. And yeah. and for me, I just started humming or singing a melody, writing words. So I started writing songs um, and uh, as, a, as a folk singer. Uh, and then with the rock band, I wrote, you know, more rockish songs. Yeah. And, uh, and that band, uh, I went away to college, uh, not to study music at first. Um, and then I came back home in order to enroll in a conservatory. And at the same mm. time I started up that rock band again, and we actually got signed to, um, a British label, Wow! but, um, it never, the record never really got fully released. Mm. It was just a promotional, yeah. uh, 45. 
five, so we never went anywhere. Mm. But we had that early taste. Yeah. But I was like eighteen years old. Yeah. I I sort of didn't really didn't understand. Have a context for it. Yeah. But but it's but it's cool to remember. And, yeah. Um, so then I went to the conservatory and started studying classical music because it because uh, I had been listening to what I consider now sort of a little bit more on the pop classical. Yeah. I mean, not, not true pops, but like, I like romantic piano. I like yeah. Liszt. I like yeah. Liszt, Hungarian Rhapsodies. I like Mussorgsky's Pictures and Exhibition. And, um, and I thought, I want to do that. Yeah. So I went to the conservatory wow. and studied composition. Chicago Conservatory. Yeah. I feel like I have questions. Okay. So did you, were you, were you listening to classical music as, as a, as a child? Not that, as that a little child, later. although although I, I don't have a memory of this, but I would imagine I might have been exposed to it through the fact that my mom loved to go to bed at night yeah. um, uh, listening to her radio, uh, listening to classical music. Yeah. And also she played the piano and she played uh, Mendelssohn songs without words, okay. things like that. Yeah. She she wasn't a, a, a you know extremely good pianist. She would, you know, pause a lot and yeah. correct her mistakes, but it exposed me to it. Yeah. And my mom tells me that when I was uh, just, uh, you know, I don't know, five years old or something, I'd sometimes sit under the piano while she played. So yeah. I, was, I was exposed to you it that way. You were interested and you were... But my parents, other than that, that my mom liked that, they weren't um, people who went to the symphony or to recitals yeah. and, and educated me, you know, where I got an education in classical music yeah. that way. But I was, exp I heard it. Yeah. Uh, and then when I started hearing it more, I don't remember why, uh, but I, uh, why I was hearing it, but I just was drawn to yeah. it and thought I want to, uh, that's where I want to go. Um, I find, I find a lot of interest in, in musicians who, um, love many genres. I, I, I don't know. I think it's, I think it makes sense. Um, but I do sometimes feel like genre is problematic mm -hmm. um, in terms of, well, maybe I'll let you comment on it first, but um, how did you feel when you were kind of getting into folk music? And I, I feel like sometimes we get very I guess I'll say this. I feel like sometimes we want to attach like an identity to a genre. Um, we feel something about our own identity based on which genres we are working with. Um, and I feel like sometimes that really prevents us from exploring. So, you know, I think folk music, rock, classical have things in common, of course, and also very different identities. Did you feel like burdened by any of that um, at that time or kind of how did it feel to you sort of putting your interest in like these different genres? Never felt burdened by it. Um, but uh, I first just want to comment that what you were saying about how it kind of shapes our identity or sometimes yeah. confines us. And I believe that's true yeah. almost more for the non-musician, the person yeah. who just listens to music. Sure. Uh, and that's and you're speaking to something that I include in my course uh, that I teach at, in the Use Honors College called Composing a Community, where a, mm. a part of it gets into music and identity. But as far as myself, um, I think I'm a little more fluid about that. Yeah. Um, like, for example, as I, I say, I started with folk music and then moved into rock. I don't know that I necessarily saw a big difference. Yeah. Of course, at that day... Kind of uh, both guitar-based, maybe. Yeah, and, mel and melody. I was into chords and melody yeah. and structure well, certainly and expression. The, the packaging is different, oh, which well, is kind yeah. of more what I mean. Like, yeah. you know, and, I, and I, I, I'm, I'm curious, like, you know, I think a lot of teenagers are very 
worried about how they're perceived. And, right. and so I'm kind of wondering, you know, how did you, do, how do you remember having felt, you know, I totally agree with you. Like their melodies and like structurally very similar, but very different. I imagine in terms of kind of that, that the packaging, the clothing. I did think about the packaging uh, and I wasn't, I don't believe I had any concerns about, about how I was perceived and, and, and about the structure. I mean, even though, as you say, a lot of times the structures and melodies are similar, I would say even if they are not, and even in the cases where they're not, um, it still is dealing with the uh, meta thing of mm. structure, melody, harmony. Um, so to me, I would just see them as being uh, maybe having a different personalities. Yeah. Those those aspects are the same, but yeah. they take on different... Per- and, and of course, as you move into classical music or if you moved into other forms of music like jazz or something else, they might take on radically different yeah. uh, structures. Absolutely. But they're yeah. still... It's still structuring and framing and um, orchestrating and layering of musical manifestations of thought. Yeah. Do you feel like, and and I don't want to like beat a dead horse about it, but do you feel like you, you know, I, I... I feel like there are are perceptions from like your peers, especially when you're that age about what it means to be like in a band or be a musician. Did you, did you feel like you just weren't paying attention to any of those things? Or if you were paying attention, how did it feel? Um, Do you understand what I'm asking? Like, You mean like being cool to be in a band? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, cause I think it's so fraught and I feel like, and maybe it's just, you know, also a different time, but you know, when I work with my students, I find that so frequently their curiosity is sort of limited by like how, how they think about what this or that genre looks like or what people will think. Um, and I find that there's often something kind of unique about the type of person and whether it's like a type or whether it's circumstantial, um, who is able to kind of move through those things, um, not attaching to kind of that like cultural baggage, um, or peer pressure. And I'm just, I'm curious about that. Well, there, I don't recall feeling any peer pressure on that. Um, I'm sure we're all subject to peer pressure as far as like, for example, how we appear, or whether we're being cool or uncool, things like that. It, it might be worse today. But I don't mm-hmm. recall that as being a particularly limiting or affecting uh, syndrome for me. Um, as far as being in a band, I'm sure I was aware, as people have spoken about for decades, and yeah. you know that, um, well, a lot of times it's kind of a cliche for a guy to say he, he got into a band so he could get girls. Yeah. Uh, I don't think I had that direct... Yeah. Um, you were there for the music? St- well, I don't believe I had that as a as a conscious yeah. motivation, whether it was an unconscious one uh, or w- whether it was just... Uncon- well, look, I, I was... I, at, at the time I start, moved from being a... Well, probably even being a folk singer had a certain cool aspect to Absolutely. me at the time. You yeah. know, just, just being getting up there with the guitar and singing. I enjoyed singing uh, others people's songs, but I also really enjoyed like giving birth to a song I wrote. And I think it was that enjoyment yeah. that drove it. And then, But as far as moving into a band at that point, 
I was liking these British bands. Mm. I had probably their pictures on the wall and I was thinking they're cool and I want to be yeah. cool like that and I could do that. Yeah. So let's just do yeah. that, you know. So yeah. it was driven by that kind of thing more than I don't can't recall anything about thinking what my image was except yeah. to except to imagine to um imagine that the image I would have and was creating by being in a band was something that was cool. Yeah. So that I'm sure that helped to drive yeah. it, but I, I but I like I hope that at base it was more like a, the enjoyment of expression, right, a kind of manifest manifesting uh, some energies and creative yeah. impulses within myself. I was just talking. I interviewed someone last week, and we were talking about this this like idea of kind of manifesting, like and that that creative um, kind of impulse that who knows exactly where it comes from or why some people you know kind of lean into it a little more than others, but kind of, you know, that, that, um, desire to manifest a, a, a project or a type of expression or, you know, reaching into a new part of your identity or kind of expanding an identity is, is a crucial part of kind of, um, having longevity as an artist. Um, but yeah, I'm always curious when I, when I, I feel like I, you know, I work with a lot of teenagers. I, I empathize a lot with kind of how complicated that time is in terms of, you know, just even internal figuring out who you are, wondering what you could be. Um, and I always like to ask people, you know, how did you make these decisions? How did you make those decisions at that time? Or did that time, you know, not feel fraught to you. Well, uh, I want to say interject here and we'll maybe we'll come back to this when we move into the uh, present and future yeah. uh, portions yeah. of our conversation. But what you just earlier a, few, a minute ago said about, you know, um, realizing who you are manifesting, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. That's something that I'm, 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 I, I'm revisiting and going mm. through right now as a question, as an uncertainty yeah. uh, uh, with regard to uh, who, who, what I'm going to be as a musical yeah. being right now and going yeah. forward. But also regarding teenagers today, I, I think that um, because of the culture that's developed over the last 10, 20 years of uh, social networking and social mm -hmm. media, uh, um, that unfortunately we've developed into a culture, not just for teenagers, but teenagers I think are bearing the brunt of it, yeah. that everyone's a 24-7 performer. Yeah. Uh, everyone is on in a way all the time, always putting something be, out there which yeah. can be judged. Yeah, always not being just observed. As a, yeah, not just as a performer, just in terms of what their comment are, just who they are. Yeah. And um, I think that's a terrible thing. Yeah. I There's think it's a, a, a constricting, uh, constricting, narrowing kind of thing. Yeah. And I, you know, so, and we can come to that too. I, I know you have, you have a question you might ask me about advice for young people or something yeah. like that. So, so we can I come mean, yeah, back to what, that. What is your advice? I mean, we're here. <laughs> I'm, I'll definitely forget. Uh, but you know, I, I do think or, your advice to young people are just, or any, any age of people who are kind of at a point where maybe they feel some kind of internal, you know, curiosity or a pull to a certain kind of thing, but somehow feel limited, you know, with some of my students, we talk about like where, where the roots of those fears or that discomfort. And I think sometimes it's, I'm afraid I can't, you know, I'm afraid I won't be able to. Right. And sometimes the fear and is- And I still have that one. Yes, we all, I think we all do. And sometimes the fear is like, I'm afraid that I will. And what will that mean? And what might I lose? And like, you know, um, 
there's that thing of like, who do you think you are? Or the worst one, uh, uh, rather than afraid that you can't or afraid that you will. But how about what I consider the worst one, afraid that you will, but that you end up being mediocre. Mm, yeah. That's, to me, that's the worst one. Kind of a jack of all trades, master yeah. of none type of well, a fear. Well, or just, or, you know, you yeah, you get, you did it. It's okay, but it's yeah. not. It's, it's, oh, I think about fear. that all the time. I mean, I, I think I'm kind of naturally a good memorizer. Um, I execute well. I plan well. I'm a very, like, my personality sort of type is is very analytical. And, uh, you know, when I was making the decision to study jazz, I wrestled with that a lot. Like, um, I'm interested in this. I find it so moving and very fascinating, but it is, it's also not in my comfort zone. You know, improvising, um, is something that I feel like it's never going to, I'm never going to be the best improviser. Uh, it's not kind of, it doesn't come naturally to me like it does to a lot of people who pursue jazz. But I felt like I would rather, I think the other side of things, you know, memorizing, planning, kind of meticulously composing, I'm going to do that anyway. I'm going to like expand those parts of myself anyway. And so I kind of made the decision to, you know, sort of force myself into a world where like the other things would have to get attention. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but I still, I still feel, uh, a lot of imposter syndrome about, Mm. about that sometimes Mm -hmm, in mm -hmm. this community I'm in. Um, yeah. So do you have any, do you have advice for people who are kind of in that? What if I try, what might happen? Well, I think, uh, I'll start with some basic advice, which kind of comes out of what I've gotten into in the last few years deeply is, uh, and I know that you had the word on here, mindfulness. Yeah. Um, and I don't know how much this resonates with younger people, but um, is to is to is to allow yourself some quiet in yeah. your life, to allow yourself some space to um, to you know just be in touch with who you are, uh, kind of you know, not always be on with the media, um, and, and to observe sort of, um, quietly uh, allow yourself to be who you are. So anyway, that's, I, it, I, I feel like I can't really, I'll just give a nod to that because I can't, you know, that, it, that might not make sense without going into it further and that might not be the right subject for this. Uh, but, um, but starting with that, then as far as like, if you're considering something artistic or musical, um, or anything, um, to, I think I feel that this culture maybe it's always been this way, but with a lot of these TV shows which I don't watch, mm. I don't know whether it's like The Voice or American oh, Idol yeah. or those yeah. sorts of things, that we've gotten into um, a, a culture of like winning, uh, yes, and and, yeah. and 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 also what I call uh, spectacle. I think this whole society has gotten into spectacle, yeah. whether it be. Um, uh, you know, halftime uh, at the Super Bowl, whether it be the, uh, a president of the United States who's, you know, more into show than into yeah. anything Death underneath, or, yeah. um, or whether it's into performers um, wanting to, you know, to have these people compete and have to beat out the other people. Yeah. Um, 
that I think that we all get sort of trained into thinking that that's what it's about. Yes. That's what making music or making art is about. Does it succeed? Yeah. Does it beat the other people? Does it sell? Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, 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 I'm not necessarily going to propose some, you know, that we can just enter into an ideal state where those um, are not factors uh, of consideration. And I do believe also that if you are going to create something, that you, you have a little bit of responsibility to yourself to also somehow um, get that from you to other people mm. uh, in whatever form that takes. But I would say to young people is to approach your art, your music um, as something, what do you enjoy about it? And where do you find yourself in it? Beware, uh, there's always some imitation. Yeah. And, and, and imitation, uh, I mean, a lot of composers have copied uh, Bach fugues in order to start yeah. composing on their own. So, so some imitation can be valuable. I'm sure a lot of yeah. lead guitarists, you know, uh, copy, uh, learn solos by other people. But, but, but what's really important for you as a person, not just to succeed uh, in some monetary or fame way, but for you as a person is to is to is to find yourself in that, yeah. And um and beware of a, a term I just came up with on the way down here, which is successful conformity, mm-hmm. uh, or or conforming success. Where I think that uh, what you can happen is as you want, if you just want to succeed, quote unquote succeed, and yeah. you see what succeeds in these contests and on television, et cetera, et cetera, then you're gonna just imitate the people who you see are succeeding and become like them in order to be better at them uh, or as good as them at at what they do. And it's narrow. It's not, it's not, it's not, it's art should be ultimately enriching, enriching of yourself, enriching of society. And, and we don't want to get in a monoculture, monoculture of art where you're just like everyone's, and you hear all these singers Mm -hmm. and they're just all sort of the same thing. And, um, so what I say to you, if you're listening, young artist, don't do that. (laughs) Find yourself and, and, and be, be yourself and, and, and always maintain your enjoyment of the creation of it. Not not get too hooked into the success of it. Yeah. You know, lately I've been thinking about this so much. You know, it's why the podcast is called Artifice, because, you know, is it imitation? Is it exploration? Is it yourself? Is it a persona? And I think maybe one thing that's, that's um, problematic is if you're trying to say, you know, how do I communicate myself to the world? How do I infuse myself into this art? I think sometimes when you're very young, you don't maybe feel like you have a lot to contribute. And that's maybe part of the reason why young people take on others. Um, But I think, so I guess I want to ask you, like, how do you think you put, you, you put yourself into your art? Like, I mean, as logistically as you feel like you, you ever think about that, but like, what does that mean to you? Or what is your experience with, with trying to kind of, take something that's unique in your perspective and embodying that in your art. Well, taking that first word, uh, I mean that word, or starting with that word unique, I think part of it is to not worry about being unique. Yeah. Um, you, of course, it's a conundrum. Yeah. I mean, you want to be differentiated enough that why, to make it so that 
someone would want to come to you to hear you or to know what your uh, point of view is. Um, but if you, but if you just overemphasize being unique, um, I think that that can become sort of an egotistical sort of uh, thing. Um, so I would say that uh, for me, uh, in my better moments, it's just simply allowing what comes up naturally yeah. to, to, to come up. Yeah. To, 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 to just uh, So like, let's say I'm writing a song, and I start writing a song, and then I start to think, yeah, but you know, this is, this is pretty normal. This yeah. is like way normal. Um, so then I might start to judge, you know, is it too normal? Should, do I need to give it something, excuse me, to make it more unique? And it's always a conundrum because, um, first of all, I mean, I, I've, some of my stuff, my, some of my classical stuff borders into experimental or avant-garde yeah. things. Um, I've never been fully into that because I, I sort of believe I do want to communicate. And yeah. I feel like if it's totally avant-garde, I'm only going to communicate mm. to the reach. very small percent of people that really like that sort of stuff. And also, uh, it, it seems to me it's a, it's a th it's keep you on sort of a wheel of like, how do you constantly be like yeah. more strange and avant-garde than the yeah. last thing? And so, if, and so as I've been gravitating back more to sort of popular forms of music, um, I just have to look at myself and say, let's just face it. You yeah. know, you write a nice melodic song and it's going to sound maybe like a Beatles song sometimes. Yeah. And that's a compliment yeah. uh, to myself or yeah. to that song. Uh, and don't worry about it too yeah. much. And so um, uh, so I, I have to come back to, um, I mean, sure, if you realize you've written a song, uh, first write the song. Don't stop yourself from writing a song. Then after you've written the song, then, you know, if you think, oh, my God, it sounds almost exactly like this song by so-and-so, well, then you might want to tinker with it yeah. or something like that. But if it just sounds sort of in that yeah. mode, that's okay. Yeah. Uh, and, and so uh, I, rather than worrying too much about that, if you keep your heart and your mind in, um, is, it, uh, is it flowing from you? Yeah. Am I, am I, do I feel good yeah. when I write this and, and do I feel good as I, as I sing it again? I mean, there'll come a point if you, if, if you start to perform it where you've done it a hundred or 200 times yeah. where you might not always feel good about sure. it because it yeah. might start to get stale, but that's a, that's another yeah. kind of consideration. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a, that's, <laughs> that's on the other end. Yeah. Yeah. I think so too. I think, I mean, I'm, I'm. You know, I, I don't have a, a, a huge breadth of experience. I've I've now done two collections of work that I feel like very proud of kind of thematically. And I think my experience has been, you know, like you said, at that kind of like just staying present, like as you're writing and kind of thinking like, I'm not going to observe this too much right now. Just mm -hmm. going to like move forward you know, try not to analyze what I'm doing before it's finished. But I think for me, like a, a lot of it is the process, you know, maybe trying to have a specific goal in, in the actual process, less about the, the end result, but more kind of thinking, you know, I want to stretch like this part of my experience or kind of, I don't know, try to, try to, try to operate in like this certain frame of mind that I'm trying to explore. Um, which is maybe less like, you know, thinking, who am I? Like, what am I writing? And more just 
what is this project kind of, um, you know, helping me kind of steer into. Um, but I still feel like, so maybe it's less like a reflection of, you know, who I am or who I am right now or what I'm interested in right now and kind of more, um, like, like that, that's happening in the process. Does that make sense? It does. And, um, as far as the being who I am and, 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 and whether it's expressing who I am, um, that's something you touched upon earlier. And I hope we do come back to that. And, and, and I actually want to not only speak about, it, but ask your advice about that as far as, um, with, you know, something we spoke about 10 minutes ago about when you're, you're singing and being who you are. Cause that's something I'm, I'm having a little bit of a, uh, question about. Yeah, let's talk uh, about it. But, 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 well, but before that, I want to say that uh, so far I've been speaking, and when we get to what I just mentioned, I'll be speaking more in the terms of just like, say, sitting down at the piano or the guitar. And letting something come to me, or yeah. letting, or or maybe sitting and meditating, and and then having something suddenly bubble up and go, oh, you know, and then yeah. going to the piano and like seeing what happens with that. Yeah. Um, that is coming from one place where uh, that the kind of place that I think you and I have been speaking about, yeah. about just sort of manifesting the moment, being in the present yeah. moment. Now, on the other hand. Um, and I know you've, I might have used the word uh, strategic, or at least you do, and and these. Uh, prompts that I looked at. Um, now, a lot of things I've done are specific projects that yeah. that, that does that I cook up. I yes. mean, in other words, they're not imposed on me. One was just, for example, a, a law, a, a song cycle of uh, about sixteen songs, all about Zion uh, Canyon, the history yeah. and the people there. That I came up with the idea of composing a bunch of songs based on yeah. oral histories there, uh, as what and uh, you know, or uh, four years ago I wrote a symphony. Um, f- uh, so that that one I just described was a folk contemporary folk song cycle. Um, on the other hand, I wrote a symphony for Charlotte called the Brahma Viharas. Uh, Charlotte is my partner, um, and we both practice a, uh, a, a Buddhist meditation, uh, part of which is mindfulness and part of which is a loving-kindness meditation. And um, the Brahma Viharas are four practices uh, for cultivating my, mm-hmm. uh, loving-kindness. Yeah. So I wrote her a symphony uh, on that. Now, and, and there are other projects. I've written uh, yeah. things that tell stories. Well, I, I lis- Andrew and I have listened to your casino album oh, a casino. bunch of times yeah. and um and the other one with the the cows yeah i forgot what it's called yeah garland hershey's cows yeah so yes yeah, so something like that i come up with an You're idea so garland hershey's parameters. cows was an idea that i'm going to make a, a yeah. piece that uses the sounds of these cows that are in the pasture next to my house yeah and um uh, and, and i had been commissioned to write a piece for the salt lake alternative music festival this is like nearly 30, about 30 years ago. Um, and, and I thought, okay, I'm going to record. I heard them, they'd wake me up in the morning. Yeah. I'd hear them. Yeah. And I think I'm going to record those cows and make it what was called then a tape piece by cutting up the tape. And, Mm. um, and except then digital was coming in. So anyway, uh, but the thing is, uh, when I went out there to record the cows, um, they wouldn't move for me. Mm. So I called up their owner, Garland Hershey, who yeah. lived two miles away, but kept his cows in the pasture next to my house. And I said, Garland, uh, he's this old fellow. I said, Garland, I'd like to use your cows in a piece of music I'm, I'm working on. And he said, well, that'll be all right. And, <laughs> and uh, I said, cool, I'm glad it's okay. But the trouble is I can't get them to move. I was wondering if you'd have any way of making them yeah. move. Could you come over? Yeah. And he said, well, that'll be all right. 
And so he got in his little pickup truck. He drove yeah. over to my house, got out. We went out in the uh, pasture, and uh, he got them to move. I recorded them, and then I. I heard him, you know, talking. I knew him already. Yeah. And he had a certain cadence yeah. and accent, and he had a kind of musical voice. Yeah. And I said, Garland, I got another idea. Yeah. I like the sound of your voice and sort of the things you say. Could I put you in my piece? Yeah. And he said, well, that'll be all right. <laughs> so he came right it. down, and we sat here just like yeah. you and me, only unlike you and me. I, I said, Garland, I'm going to ask you questions, but then I don't want to be in the piece. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, uh, so I'm going to sort of just let you go. Uh, yeah. And, 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 then, and so then I turned that in, you know, and then I spent the next few months listening to his voice over and over again, listening to the uh, um, rhythm of his voice, yeah. the melody of his voice. And I took his cows and then I also wrote music for, um, uh, at that time, synthesized uh, flute and cello and other instruments, cowbell, and yeah, um, of course. and then and then made a piece out of all that. That that both was a musical portrait, was engaging. At least that was my intent. Yeah, to make it interesting. It uh, is interesting uh, in my th opinion. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> and was also musical and interesting musically. Yeah. So um, so in that case now. I, I, when I'm composing that piece, I'm not just starting from like, what should right. I manifest today? Yes. No, I've, I've got certain um, things that you I'm trying to achieve. Yeah. But, parameters. But I, parameters, but I'm still letting what I hear in the music and the sounds kind of drive the yeah. inspiration for what I write. And yeah. and, and also with the um, Red Rock Rondo or the Zion Canyon Song Cycle, those 16 yeah. songs about Zion. So... Um, uh, then I took the words from people. I wrote my own words. Sometimes I use their words as they were, and um, uh, that was what was driving it. And I and I yeah. and I wanted to write. And I knew I wanted to write as as I mentioned. Sometimes I write avant garde stuff. I knew this was not meant to be avant garde. Yeah. This was meant to be something that could appeal to people, Accessible. convey that history yeah. through music, convey those stories, yeah. help those stories be told. So I wanted to write accessible yeah. melodic music. And, and so then, then when I sit down and pick up my guitar, mm. it isn't from just like, oh, what do I want to manifest yeah, today? It's more like, okay, I'm taking this particular story and how can this become music? Yeah. And so it's a little more specific. Yeah. Yeah. I, I write that way too. Uh, that's why, yeah, I, you know, when I very first was kind of thinking about this project, you're, you're one of the first people that I thought about to interview. Um, right when I moved to Utah, I saw you perform your Red Rock Rondo uh, at the Rose Wagner Theater. Um, it was like 2012 or 13. Yeah, so I moved here in August of 2012. And I, to my recollection, it was it was right after we moved here. And I get the idea that maybe in some ways we have, we're similar um, composers in that way, or at least, yeah, for that type of a project. But so far, my two projects, my two albums have been the same way where I have a concept or I have like, you know, kind of a goal. Um, I remember being in like music history class in probably my undergrad and, um, we were talking about Stravinsky, uh, writing, you know, like the ride of spring and some pieces like that. And, um, I, I, I haven't been able to find this quote since, and maybe my teacher just made it up, but, um, he said that, you know, Stravinsky, had written or said that he, um, was plagued by like the possibilities and, um, and felt like too many options and so needed to give himself parameters. And, and I really relate to that. Um, this, when, when that happened, I, I don't know that I had started writing yet. I didn't think of myself as a composer. Um, 
And I remember feeling like, oh, that's what I need to do because I feel like I can step into too many things. I need some limits and I feel like I can maybe maximize my own creativity with some parameters. Um, and so that's also how I do it. I give myself some parameters and maybe they are, you know, melodic and maybe they are instrumentation and maybe they're just a lyric concept. Um, it could be anything and then try to kind of within those parameters sort of, um, you know, touch base with kind of like, what am I feeling? What am I thinking um, in those parameters? And then it's less about, there's less me in the beginning, in the parameters and in the end, the final song. And there's more me just it, connecting those two things. Yeah. Well, first, let me confirm that uh, quote by Stravinsky. Oh, great. You it's know a it. quote that I use. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, it, it's, it's something like um, when I sit down to compose, um, uh, if I, if I, if I allowed myself, you know, the whole realm of possibility, I'd yeah. never get anything done. Yeah. So he intentionally constricts his possibilities or yeah. constrains them. And it's funny to think about with Stravinsky, because when we listen to his music, you think of him as somebody who uh, explores yeah. many more possibilities than uh, other composers of his time. Yeah. I mean, he certainly plays more with uh, tempo, I mean, uh, meter yeah. and harmony, poly, poly, um, tonality and uh and and has like surprising changes uh, yeah. and he and he's a through composer meaning it's not so much structured as it is like well what comes next yeah. what do i feel like doing next so he seems like he's unconstrained but yeah. it was, so it's interesting to hear that yeah. in fact he is very self-awarely uh, yeah. uh self-constrained yeah I, I you know i imagine that those particular constraints maybe make made him feel at liberty to go crazy in other ways right which is, is kind of maybe the the point right and because even being constrained is still sort of a concept i mean like are you truly constrained yeah i mean um you know i mean sure if you restrict yourself to one note um you know that that might be fairly constrained yeah uh you know but if you you know you constrict yourself to just certain parameters yeah. um there's still infinite possibilities within that absolutely mm -hmm. does that kind of get it what you wanted to talk about with like are you in your art well as far as well there's that other element of um like singing and mm. and 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 well we were talking about it with a younger person yeah and um you know, figuring out who you are and all that. So like right now, um, I'm going through a, um, I go through waves, yeah. uh, creative and productive and uh, in the world waves. Mm. Uh, uh, well, I'll say in the larger sense, um, uh, this will be a digression from where we were just going, that um, Great. because I remember when I, uh, when I ran for, May when I was asked to run for mayor of Springdale down by Zion uh, 25 some years ago or maybe 30 almost now, um, it was a question for me that I'm a composer. Am I going to constrain myself yeah. too much to um, politics? Yeah. Uh, and uh, will that divert me from my creativity? Yeah. Um, and uh, one of the ways in which I uh, thought I would approach this is uh, I knew of a man named Vat Vaclav Havel, who was the president of the Czech Republic mm. and had been an avant-garde playwright. 
Hmm. who uh, then was put in jail for 10 years for opposing the Soviet, wow. um, uh, uh, the communist uh, Czech, Czechoslovakia uh, government. Uh, but then when they had the revolution and then he became the president. And, um, and I thought, what does this guy have to say to me? Yeah. He must have had to go through that question. And sure yeah. enough, I got a couple of books by him. And sure enough, he did speak about that. Wow. And, and it was a totally different scale. I'm yeah. aware of that. He, he, there was a whole nation sure. and I was a little teeny town but 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 the basis of being an artist yeah who now is entering into the political field or community engagement yeah. field yeah um and he spoke about it in a way that made me think you know um I can do this. And and then w- one thing I did was, rather than thinking of my creative world, mm. um, butting heads with the coming, you know, uh, political um, yeah. uh, and just business, town business world, yeah. I decided to raise the umbrella of the creative world yeah. up to above both yeah and think kind like integrate them. So that I think of being compo- uh, mayor yeah. as being a sort of a, a, a manifestation of whatever creativity sure. I may have. Yeah. And I'm doing that now with teaching. Not for the last 10 years, I teach in the Honors College, and I teach um, things uh, that have to do with the relationship between music and the arts and community uh, and um, and dialogue and uh, kindness and mindfulness. And, yeah. and um, I enjoy, and I create these courses. Yeah. And each one of them is for me like a composition. Yeah, they I approach seem it, that way. I approach it with the same uh, verve and yeah. creative impulse and satisfaction um, and sense of exploration mm-hmm. uh, that I do when I'm composing a piece. Yeah. And, and so that's where I'm going right now. And so when I spoke about waves, um, it seems like in the last, few years, uh, well, first because I wrote that symphony, that kind of, for Charlotte, about four or five years ago, that sort of took me out of the performing Mm. uh, mode of being, getting, strapping on a guitar or sitting at a piano and singing for an audience. Um, uh, So, uh, and I hadn't quite come back uh, Mm. to that performing Mm. world, although I I find myself writing songs and I find myself writing them on piano and I've got this urge like to go out and do them. Yeah. And um, I've done a lot of performing in my life, mostly in groups. I don't know that I've ever done a full-scale solo thing. Yeah. I've done some solo things where I perform at a political rally, yeah. an environmental mm-hmm. rally, or a or, dinner or, or, or something. Well, or a, 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 a coffee house. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I've performed solo, and I and I have. Uh, I feel like that I can do that. Yeah. But I've never done it as like. A whole persona, a project, yeah. a project oh, sure. or, or even a whole show. Yeah. And for some reason, I, I sort of hesitate mm. and think, can I really pull this off? And, yeah. You know, it's also after having performed with my partner playing oboe and English horn, Flavia yeah. Servino Wood playing beautiful violin, yeah. Harold Carr playing bass. And I, you know, I come to rely upon those right. things. And I think now I'm going to go out and do it without all those things, yeah. providing, trying to provide all the interest to the music just from what I'm doing. Yes. And, I'm, yeah, and, and so difficult. it's just, it, 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 I sort of hold myself back. And then the other thing is like, as I sing these songs, it, just in my living room right now, I think, you know, like, what voice am I? Who yeah. who am I singing this? Because like sometimes I think this is too pretty a song for me, and so like I'll try to like 
put a little different because I have a rock voice. Mm. You know, you probably have different voices. Absolutely. And, yeah. and I think so, but I want, I want to be both be off. So now I'm trying to yeah. balance the question between being authentic. Of course, I never, I never want to be inauthentic. Right. But, but I sometimes think like if I just go for total authentic, does that sort of iron Is out that its own the personality? Yeah, yeah. And because versus giving it like yeah. um, some some uh, a particular personality, yeah. a certain character, and I think so. Is that being inauthentic, or is that being? Um, is that really maybe yeah. the authenticity that's there? And you know, then I, you yeah. know, there's certain pr- performers that you think of that have radically yeah. individual voices. Whether it's somebody like Tom Waits yeah. or Neil Young, you know, and there's uh, Bob Dylan. Of course, mm-hmm. I don't think he could sing any other yeah. way. He's like a he's a he's a he's a poet. <laughs> but 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 you know, Leonard Cohen. But yeah. you know, but like but like Tom Waits. I think does he actually have to sing that way, or did he develop that? As and no one that, has that, that to. works for me, yeah. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep singing that yeah. way because that it's, feels like it's me. Definitely that. But I don't know whether yeah. it was truly like his natural singing voice. No, I don't think. <laughs> I mean, the human, just like physiologically, the human voice is so versatile; it's capable of so many things. So when you hear someone who has this kind of recognizable style, I think it's always intentional or not. It's it's a choice, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it may be kind of something that happened via, you know, coaching from a certain teacher and, you know, the student sort of takes on the teacher's type of a voice Mm -hmm. or, you know, it comes from their influences. But I think I I wouldn't say that it's ever authentic to who the person is. Like, I I just, I think you're right. It's kind of too narrow to say like, I am this one thing, but my new album is called masks. And the whole kind of idea that I'm playing with in the album is that it's exactly that thing, which is like, you know, are you more yourself when you have a certain mask? Like I know a lot of musicians are that way and maybe it's not a literal mask on your face, but like, you know, the saxophone is a mask and it's, and like through the saxophone, I have, um, you know, a different type of confidence or a different type of, um, I can express a part of myself that I don't, I can't through my mouth. You play saxophone? No, no, no. I just mean hypothetically, you know, I think, I think, I think horn players may feel that way. Do you know what I'm saying? Or like, you know, someone may say like through this paintbrush, I can express something that's that's truly me that I can't express, you know, face to face with someone. Um, alternately, I think sometimes, um, so what I'm trying to say with that is like, maybe my, my, you know, maybe someone's true self is something that requires a mask or a filter or some kind of help in that way. Does that make sense? It does. And uh, although I translate it in my mind, at least for, for, for you, masks uh, may work. And I, uh, oh, but for I me, just, I, I'm thinking... I'm just interested in the question. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I get it. I'm yeah. just thinking like I might translate it as... Because I don't, I don't think I'd like the idea of me wearing a mask, but as far as um, uh, 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 kind of... Uh, I don't even want to say adopting. Maybe just well, expressing I it through a, a particular voice. That's what that I mean. I'm like a filter, of. you yeah. know. Like yeah. I mean, I think the word mask is, it's it's limited and also loaded. But like you know, like maybe I like to think of it more of an idea of like a costume. Like, does a costume allow you to yeah. express something that is that is yours? I like that and better. And it's totally authentic. Um, but you need 
like a costume to do it. I like that better because the costume is something that you wear. You're dressing up. You're right. putting your voice. So in I a mean, per- mask that way. Yeah, because a like mask, it's a dis- like it's a costume. The thing that I don't like about the mask is that for me yeah. is that it disguises, it, it covers sure. your face, yeah. and and you're not seeing the person. Right. And what I would prefer is that if I'm going to adopt a voice that sort of. Um, uh, maybe not. Isn't a, I'm not sure whether it's 100 percent natural or not. Is that my natural voice and my natural personality, my natural me, is still yeah. there? Yeah, is still heard in Absolutely. it. Absolutely. So not it's more more like a filter, not hidden. Yeah. Um. Well, you know, I. So I think like the the things I was saying about like does the disguise allow you to like express something that's very authentic but you need that kind of help. That's one idea. Another idea is like, you need to remove, remove masks and remove layers. I think it's both. I think it's all the things and it depends on what it is. So, you know, for your, so for something as, as kind of literal as your actual voice, um, as opposed to like a figurative voice that maybe you're, you have through your writing, um, who knows? I mean, I think it could be either or both. And, um, but I think probably the fact that you're like thinking about it and being mindful about it is the thing that's most important. And like, the only other thought that I have is sometimes like, you know, I think we like this idea that our self, like, I mean, we as a culture that our self is kind of this finite thing, which of course is not true. You know, Mm -hmm. you were yourself, Philip at age five and you're yourself now, but like surely yourself now has been built upon from your five-year-old self. And I think the same thing is true in your, in your literal voice, you know, maybe sometimes you need to kind of try out a new, um, you know, placement of your tongue or a new like pharynx shape. Um, And maybe for a second, it feels kind of inauthentic, but it's just because it's like a, you know, it's a role that you haven't yet stepped into. And your very first day as mayor, Hmm. maybe you're not like, I'm the mayor, (laughs) you know, you're like, it's kind of that in between. Mm -hmm. And then when you've spent some time in that space, then it's, then it, it integrates and it kind of like assimilates back into like, you know, that, that something that feels like an authentic self. Or even just, you know, on your first day as a job, as as like a, a waiter, you know, when you're like, uh, our menu, you know, and you're totally, you're brand new, you're not owning those things. Is that inauthentic or is it just the beginning of something that's going to be authentic? Do you I know think what I mean? I do. I think those are really good points and I'm going to take those to heart when I go home and play the piano this afternoon and Great. sing. And, I would and, say and, be and, free with it. And I want to mention, like you say, like try a different voice. Um you know, for about 10 years, roughly speaking, maybe 15, uh, I was doing this. Uh, well, I mean, I had, uh, you know, I, I, th- I think I mentioned earlier, I had a rock band. I had a couple of rock bands. I just mentioned the one in high school, but then yeah. I had a new wave punk band that actually right. uh, was on MTV and uh, toured around and stuff in the 80s. Um, but uh, so, uh, but for the last uh, fifteen years, uh, well, maybe about eighteen now, uh, I had done this sort of uh, contemporary folky thing. Now, you know, you talk. We talked much earlier about genres. I've always allowed my genres to leak. Yeah. To blend. Um, Me too. When I was writing my new wave punk songs in the eighties, 
they had folk influences. Yeah. They weren't typical. Sometimes, yeah, I could write a three chord song yeah. and sometimes I did it just for fun. Yeah. But, um, but a lot of my songs had relative minors yeah. or, or, or seconds and yeah. various things uh, that, um, that came more from my, my folk songwriting uh, yeah. uh, background. But um, so for the last 15 or so years, I was d- doing more of a folk music. And I, and, and then about uh, th- uh, three years ago, I met this, um, I, I heard about and then met this uh, man who's uh, the rabbi in Park City, mm. uh, David Levinsky, and he had had a uh, power pop band in Chicago uh, that was popular in the 90s. That's after I left. I left Chicago in the mid-80s. And I thought, wow, this is cool. I, and so we got in touch, and he knew my band. He used to come wow. see my band yeah. when he was a, a kid and because his dad would take him to our all-ages show, shows. And um, and so we decided to, uh, to get together one time and try to play some songs. Songs and just mm. and um, and as he as I the day before he came over, I pulled out a song that I'd written that I'd sung in a folk style acoustically, yeah. and without even it being intentional about this, because I was playing an electric guitar and um, knew I was going to be singing it for this fellow who was coming over the next day, mm. I started singing it with this rock voice. Yeah. Yeah. And I hadn't used that voice in in years, yeah. decades, and I thought to myself, "Wow, yeah. I like that voice." Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, it dawned on me that while I, and I'm not saying I was being inauthentic singing folk style for 15 years, mm-hmm. but I realized that what I had done, maybe at one point consciously and to some and to a large degree unconsciously, developed into this like I've got to sing with more of a lilt, mm. a softer, yeah. uh, a softer presentation, sure. a little more sensitive, yeah. which was maybe fine and appropriate. Um, but now I was singing the same song yeah. with more of an edge, yeah. and I said, you know, this song needs that. Yeah. That song benefits from that, yeah. and it's and. Yeah. And and I suppose I could look at that and think, now, are you just adopting a rock voice? Because, and I, and I thought, well, you know, I didn't really do that intentionally. I just, but it was, you know, so I slipped back into that. And I thought, I like that voice. I'm going to revive yeah. that voice. Yeah. Excuse me. Yeah, I did um, a lot of research in my master's degree about paralinguistics, which of course is like, you know, everything nonverbal. So it can be anything from body language to... Um, you know, inflection, uh, pronunciation, anything that you can't write down. And, um, you know, I was kind of studying maybe particularly like vocal jazz phrasing, but in the process of doing that, I read a lot of non-art related, just, you know, paralinguistics as it applies to like, can you hear class? Can you hear, you know, education level, things like that in people's voices? What do we kind of unconsciously gather about people orally? Um, And there's a lot of evidence that, you know, again, the human voice physiologically is so versatile. It can make so many sounds. And we you you can observe it in in young people you can observe it in situations where there are intense power dynamics like for example if there are a lot of men and one woman in a room you'll often hear the woman's voice getting lower and lower and trying mm-hmm. to match um and we kind of we kind of totally unconsciously mm-hmm. change our our literal voices to match kind of who we're around mm. uh, that's something that we we more or less all do and I, I tend to think, unless you're pretty aware of it, um, 
it will happen. You, you will start to kind of adapt your voice on a day-to-day basis throughout the day. Mm. You might speak a little differently when you're at the checkout at the cash register Mm -hmm. to kind of match Mm -hmm. or meet the, the cash, the cashier. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think if we're doing all of this unconsciously all throughout our lives and all throughout the day, why not just be conscious about it and realize that your voice can do all of these things. I don't think any of that is Mm. inauthentic. And in fact, I don't know, it's just having an awareness of like what you're already doing, you know? And so saying like, you know, this song calls for my rock voice, this song calls for my folk voice, this song needs a character that, you know, is coming from a more dominant type of a, of a feeling or a perspective. And this, this song requires a character that's, we always, we do that. You change your voice when you talk to a child, you change your voice, you know, I talk to my cat. Sure. You change your voice. My voice gets high. I talk like this to my cats. Yeah. Or, you know, even just situationally, like, you know, um, like a parent talking to the same child, you know, when they're not doing their homework, that voice is going to be different than like, we're going to Disneyland tomorrow. So our voices do all these things. I think it's beautiful. You've got this amazing palette. Use it. Yes. Thank all, you. All of that's authentic. I'm a, you got me under that full palette now. I'm going to go Great. home and, and uh, give myself free reign. Good. I, <laughs> I, think that's, I think that's right. I think that's great. Okay. Um, is there anything you want to say about kind of the logistics of your career? Maybe like getting into any sort of, um, do you feel like you have sort of like periods or waves of like a certain aesthetic that you want to talk about? Um, I kind of want to just like, anything from the middle. So we talked about like your development as an artist hmm. and I'd like to talk about present and future. So is there, are there things in the middle, you know, sometimes they talk about money with people. No, or... I don't want to talk about money. Okay. You don't <laughs> I, have to. Some I people mean, have lots of thoughts about it. So. Yeah, no, I mean, I, uh, I been reasonably good at making money. Not, not yeah. like the huge level of success, but for, uh, um, you know, I, well, Part of it is classical. I mean, yeah. I got a huge grant from Meet the Composer in the mm. late uh, '90s uh, that supported me for three yeah. years, and um, I, I and I've won lots of commissions yeah. uh, for writing uh, classical pieces. And uh, and when Blue Haiku and Red Rock Roundup performed, we were uh, I was good yeah. at uh, promoting and getting um, uh, uh, good amount of yeah. money for our performances. Um, but it's not, it's not what I like to, it's, I think it's even, not the focus. Totally. At I think all even just me. saying that though is so important. Um, you know, we have so many myths in our communities, outside of our communities about what is art, who are artists, what are they doing? And um, I think, you know, sometimes we penalize people for being a starving artist. Sometimes we penalize people for not being a starting art, starving artist. Um, but I think one thing that I find really interesting about you or just, you know, personally that I maybe see you as a role model in this way is like your music has been experimental in some ways or certainly not always has been, um, you know, it's unique and it's kind of like trying new things. It's avant-garde, at least some of the time, maybe all of the time. Um, and, and you, you're, you're, so what I'm trying to say is that I don't see you making decisions based on their marketability, Mm -hmm. which I think is 
really important. Mm. Um, but what you're saying is that you still like you're fine. You you have what you need. Um, you're not a starving artist. And I think even just if you know, just saying that I think is is very valuable. Well, thank you. Thank you. Um, I appreciate all of that. And I, uh, I always have done other things and, but a lot, but even the, uh, especially in the last, uh, 20 years, um, the other things that I do aren't necessarily about making money either. Uh, when I had my new wave band in the eighties, I had a straight job as musicians call yeah. them a straight gig yeah. and it was a well-paying and, um, uh, and the band, um, Ben made money. I mean, it made enough money to, you know, make our records and, you know, keep ourselves in business. It didn't, I don't know that, it, I, I think we actually made a little bit of income from it, which was yeah. actually pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but I was making my main support from yeah. another job. However, the last 20 years, um, I also have done other things, yeah. but they are not so much money-making, like being mayor wasn't. Yeah. Uh, teaching at the university is, but not greatly. Yeah. Uh, the motivation for doing so is not to make it's not money. The money. Yeah. The, 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 what I'll say, the motivation for doing so is the same as my and your motivation for making art, which is meaning-making. Yeah. It's expression. It's, yeah. it's communicating. Community building, too. Community building, too. Um, which I had no idea I was into before I became mayor. Mm -hmm. And then I realized, oh my gosh, that's what I'm into. But, um, but with the, the teaching, it's, it's sharing, it's, it's helping people to realize that we are all creative yeah. beings. Um, it's getting people to, that, that's what really motivates me. Yeah. And, if I, and so if I can, whether I do that through teaching or writing, like yeah. for example, I've just been asked to write uh, for a, a national music uh, journal, a series of articles about Radical Quiet, which is yeah. a course I just taught at the yeah. university and will continue with because uh, it, it was just such a wonderful experience. Yeah. Um, and so if I can write about radical quiet in a way that gets people, you know, and, I, and I'm studying, I, I practice mindfulness and also Charlotte, my partner and I are also taking a mindfulness teacher training program yeah. from Jack Cornfield and Tara Brock. And, um, oh, and I read her book, Radical yeah, Acceptance. Exactly. Yeah. And she's got a new one called, or newer one called True Refuge. Um, and Jack Cornfield's got a bunch of books. And this just is embedding in my life like that. You know that it, that stuff gives me heart. Yeah. Not only for my own practice, but for sharing that with others. And um, and 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 if so, if and so, I if I'm going to write songs, if I'm going to write a piece of music, not that I want my. I'm not saying that when I go out and perform music, it's going to be a. Um, uh, lesson in mindfulness. Yeah. Um, but I don't want it to be a departure from that. I'd like still like somehow the mindfulness, yeah. the, the awareness to be present in that. And if I can give yeah. people moments of just some sort of awareness of something yeah. in themselves, whether it's through teaching or performing, yeah. that's what I'm after. I think that's what I was trying to get at before with like, you know, it's more of like a, like a meta intention then like, you know, it doesn't mean that the songs need to be about mindfulness, exactly. but if you're mindful as you're creating them, you're mindful about how you're performing them. You're mindful about the conversation you're having around it mm -hmm. in this kind of like, you know, uh, I was, I was talking with a, an author a few weeks ago and here, and he was talking about, um, like theme as genre, you know, like, like, you instead of your genre being classical or your genre, your 
your your genre is mindfulness, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it and it doesn't matter specifically exactly kind of what the piece sounds like, but like the the whole kind of intention and kind of the meta experience around around it is th- is the thing that's the the that's the genre, you know, yes. that theme. Right. Which I'm and really into that idea. I like that. And as far as performing goes, um, I, again, like you're saying, it's not about, I don't think I ever go out there thinking I'm going to teach somebody something about mindfulness in yeah. this performance. But, and I think I felt this 20 years ago when I probably only dabbled in meditation. So it wasn't proceeding from thoughts about meditation that what really gets kind of thrills me or motivates me or what I feel is like what I, what I want to, the space I want to be in is in a space of communic of not only verbal communication yeah. and artistic communication yeah. with the people that are yeah. in the audience, but sort of just an energetic communication, Absolutely. energetic exchange mm-hmm. where I feel I'm being, you know, real with them, uh, they're being real with me, and we're sharing a moment together. And, Absolutely. you know, I think you know, really, as a performer, that's kind of like the highest kind of thing. Absolutely. I mean, we want our stuff to go over, but yeah. uh, we want it to get applause and be successful or, or be liked or move people. But but still, even above all that is just to have that sense of connection. I totally agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I hear a lot of musicians talk about like, you know, not wanting to play in like, for example, wedding bands because they're like, oh, it's not, it's not artistic or, you know, whatever. And for me, I feel like I'm with you. Like the thing I'm after is like, the humanness of it mm-hmm. um and i don't know that there's a better place to like experience that than to observe weddings you mm-hmm. know uh, i really like it um and it's not in though in that moment it's not about like that music it's kind of that like that meta experience of like being an artist um which for that particular context for me is about you know i'm definitely putting on a persona for those for those moments, um, I'm an introvert. I'm can be shy. Um, I, I never want to go to parties, you know, so to be the leader of the party and kind of facilitating the party is certainly like a bit of a character. Um, but it gives me an opportunity to just watch people meet a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't have to really talk because I'm standing on the stage, you know, but Mm -hmm. I can still get an idea. Um, and I feel like that's, it's very informative to like my overall experience as an artist, even though I wouldn't say that like in those moments I'm creating art. You're creating an experience and that's, you know, you said you're an introvert, but when you're there, you're, you know, you, you, you're coming, you know, you're coming out and you're being uh, not an introvert. They don't want, they didn't hire you uh, because you're an introvert. They don't hire me. You know, they hire like Stevie Wonder. You know, they hire yeah. like, they're not hiring me. Well, they they're, they're hiring they you. Never, they never, they hardly know my name. Yeah, I understand. Yeah. But but they hear, like, they get a referral. And sure, they hear, we sure. want to have Stevie Wonder. We want somebody who can really do this locally. Who's good at that? Yeah. Oh, you want Emily Merrill, you know? Yeah. So so they may not sure. know you personally, but they, but what, but what they want, like, so getting us back to authenticity, that's a good illustration. If you felt like, okay, I 
I am an introvert. So if I was going to be authentic, I should come to that microphone and be shy and be kind of yeah. show that I'm not completely comfortable. And that's not what they want. Yeah. It so, doesn't, it doesn't do anybody yeah. any good. It's not a service. So you're being very uh, mindful of the, of the moment, what yeah. the moment needs and, um, and, and flowering into that. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Um, <laughs> that's accurate. That is how I feel. <laughs> um, okay. Maybe I want to ask you, like, is there anything that's been like, you know, in terms of like being an artist, making art, um, that's been like, uh, you know, um, like a struggle, like, are there things that you feel like lessons you feel like you've learned or things you've had to work through? I think sometimes I, I feel bothered by the idea that a lot of people who have the potential to create, you know, beautiful things stop because of some, you know, internal or external adversity. And I, I like to tell those kinds of stories, um, so that, you know, we can kind of be thinking like, I can get through this, I can keep working. So is there anything that you feel like you want to share about maybe anything you've had to kind of like work through or overcome as an artist? Well, first, maybe a bit of context. And, you know, I appreciate the question, but just this might help to under, uh, to explain my answer is, although I understand that I am an artist, I don't really come from a place of like thinking. It's not any sense of denial yeah. that I'm an artist. Yeah. But it's just not my first place of thinking it's like not that. Your I'm I identity. identify as yeah. an artist, even though you know if somebody asked me, I meet at a party. What do you do? I say composer, musician. Yeah. You know something. So obviously, then I I do identify, but but it's not. But I maybe I'm, I identify more like in a sense of meeting somebody and communicating. Mm -hmm. That's what mm -hmm. you're supposed to do. Yeah. But I don't like as I just go about through my life, think I'm an artist and I'm seeing things as an artist and stuff like that. So therefore, um, that with that context, the struggles that I have, uh, I think, are more as a human being yeah. than as an artist. Oh, and I also want to say about that that I think that not only do I not identify necessarily as an artist, um, I think that most people. So maybe some of the, the you who are listening today, um, who don't think of yourselves as artists, mm. actually are. That's uh, the answer that I have too. Yeah, which is like when we have those kind of art scars, or you know, you know what I mean. Like, I think I, you know, when we have teachers, for example, that would tell us, "You'll never make it. You can't do this. You're not." you're not an artist, you're not a musician, you know, or we have parents or we have spouses or we have friends, you know, or, you know, the public, um, saying, you know, you can't, you, you aren't, this isn't good. Um, you know, we can combat that idea by saying like, no, but I am an artist, or we can combat that idea by saying, I'm not. <laughs> but I just, this is what I do. Well, I'm also saying it because uh, about uh, you who are listening are artists is what I mean is it's not being an artist isn't limited to art. Right. So like I, this course that I teach at the university, one of them is called composing a community. Mm. And we look at uh, community dialogue, 
etc., through the lens of music in order to gain a richer understanding of those things. We also turn the lens around and look at music through the lens of dialogue and rhetoric, etc., so that we can sort of see the layers that are going on in music. Yeah. Um, but overall, it's about the idea that we all are composers who compose ourselves. Yeah. We compose our identities. Families. We compose our families. We compose our community. Um, and so whether you're gardening yeah. or, or creating a business or um, being a server in a restaurant, um, you are improvising and creating mm. the, your way of being mm -hmm. and you are composing and you're using the same um, kinds of uh, uh, skills and uh, qualities uh, that a painter or, yeah. a com or a musician does yes. and applying it to your life. And so, so with that context, as far as like struggles that I get, like, mm. do I reach a point where I think, oh, I shouldn't be doing this or something, or should I be doing this? Yeah. Yes, I do. And like, I'm going through that now on the artistic right. level uh, with regard to these piano songs. And I, you know, think, what am I going to do? Am I going to do this? And sometimes I think, well, maybe I won't. But then I look at these songs, as I'm sure you do, like my mm. children. Yeah. And I go, I mean, I don't have children, but I think, so therefore they are my children. And yeah. I go, Am I going to let that song out there? Am I going to let people yeah. hear that song? And I think, darn it, I got to let, I got to yeah. let people, I got to do that. Is it good? I mean, it's good, yeah. but is it like good enough that yeah. it's going to succeed on some high level? I don't know about yeah. that. Maybe not, but, but, uh, and maybe, but, um, but, um, but the song wants to be heard. Yeah. And, and so, but, but I am going through that struggle and yeah. it's entirely possible that I'll at some point reach what you were sort of uh, driving at a moment ago. Like, I don't know, you know, yeah. so, but I go through that same struggle with things in my life yeah. that are not related to, to music. Right. Like, sh you know, should I do this? Should I do that? Or, or like, well, I guess writing a book would be maybe another form mm -hmm. of art. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, but I, I've had, uh, you know, ideas for books, uh, that, um, you know, that I haven't done yet. And I'm keep thinking, am I ever going to do that? You know, so, and, and there could be other things like that are totally away from the arts or writing. Yeah. Um, so yes, I do uh, have those uh, have, problems. Have, have you done anything, you know, intentionally or, or do you have thoughts about like cultivating kind of a resilience in your creativity? Because maybe that's more like, you know, if you... Or, and, or maybe, maybe they feel related to you. I know they certainly feel related to me, but that might just be my own issue. Um, but you know, maybe how do you deal with rejection? Mm, I feel well, like yeah. our careers are, isn't it just our lives provide so many opportunities for rejection? Well, yes. And let me speak about rejection, but I wanted to ask you what you meant by create resilience in your creativity. Is that what you mean? Yeah, some resilience like, I mean, to, to deal with rejection or, or even like, rejection? Yes, that's what I was just going to say. Yeah. Even like like hypothetical rejection. Uh, imagined <laughs> yeah. rejection. Right. Yeah. Well, yes. Now, you see, with these little tender babies that I've talked about, yeah. these songs that I've written in the last couple of years, which is the first time if I come out with these songs that I have not had songs that are like sort of part of a project. Yeah. I mean, the project would just be like my Those new songs. songs. Yeah. Uh, but they aren't like themed yeah. songs mm. um, or something There's like something that. something very protective about a theme. 
Yes, but yes, that's right. That kind of gives it a container. But um, so if I come up with these songs, and 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 when they're not in a container, then they, there can be more variety, you know. And then mm-hmm. there's we we don't have to go there. But there's that also a question for an artist like, do you um, do you stay within a defined personality? Because yeah. we're we're told if you study this stuff or listen to people that and you know that the successful people do. You yeah. know, and whether it's a composer like Philip Glass or yeah. Tom Waits or Leonard Cohen, uh, you know, all their the stuff genre. sounds the same. Yeah. <laughs> well, so I was level. talking about this with that author because he wrote like a horror and then like a young adult and then, yeah. you know, a comedy and his publishers are like, what are you doing? And he's like, this isn't, I'm up here with a genre. Yeah, you know, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm like doing this overarching theme. Yeah. And the individual books fit into that. You know, but yes, yes, I, I, genre right. is a is a problem. <laughs> but even the songs I, I'm writing right now, I mean, one yeah. one song is is in five four, yeah. which I know for you is not unusual. Yeah. But for these, uh, <laughs> uh, but for these uh, pop uh, popish songs, yeah. they're almost always in four four, yeah. and very rarely even in three four. Yeah. But um, so I'm doing this thing in five four, and you know, it's not like you know that that's not a, a new thing, but. Um, but but it's kind of it's kind of dark and moody. But on the other hand, I have this very bouncy, almost stage production yeah. song. And you know, and I you know, and, and if I do this little solo thing, I think I'll just include them all. But wait, that that wasn't the question. What was the? We question? We're talking about cultivating like creative resiliency. Oh, resilience, and, rejection. Yeah. yeah, rejection. That's the thing. Rejection. That's the thing. That's the thing. Now you see, if I go it, let's let's say i was planning to do a show a year from now and i do have somebody that's invited me to come and do kind of a house concert and i could just plan on that being my thing but let's say i go somewhere like a coffee house or something and do four songs yeah. as a sort of like a preparatory mm-hmm. kind of and let's say for some reason i either get a um all kind of a weak reaction mm-hmm. or 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 I just feel judged myself as not having done that well, or like you say, you know, an imagined rejection or something. I'm afraid that I might just go like, okay, I'm done with that. I'm yeah. not going to, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to cancel that gig a year from now. Yeah. And, uh, you know, because I, yeah, I'm yeah. a baby sometimes That's about real, that. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, uh, you know, like, um, I think maybe more so about doing things solo. Maybe that's the reason why I haven't done it yeah. is I'm afraid. You I mean, have, even if you like, can't even, share the rejection, even if I, if I had <laughs> you, if I went to your piano right now and said, here, here's a couple of songs I've written and I sing it and Chris, you know, you'd probably be very gracious and, you know, but, but let's just say for some reason, um, you went, Oh, you know, that's pretty good or something. And then I walk out and think, Oh, that didn't go over well. I'm not going to do that one again. Yeah. And, and so I'm sort of chicken Ooh. about yeah. that. And, and sometimes, so I think it's better just like get it up, you know, get yeah. the get the setup, and just go out and do it for a hundred people. That's definitely what I do. <laughs> I mean, I think we're the same. I I also get very sensitive, and I also have this kind of awareness about myself. Like if I do that and it doesn't go well, I'm afraid that I will like chop off that whole branch. Yes, and another thing, something I learned, Doc. When I say I get commissions for my classical pieces, I mean, obviously we don't usually get. I did get commissioned to write that song cycle about Zion, but that's because I had this classical world persona yeah. and entree and and awareness of grants mm. for these mm. things. Mm. And so I actually applied to a grant that normally I would have applied for a classical piece and mm. said, "What I'd like to do is a song cycle." Um, 
it'll be contemporary folk with elements of classical. Yeah. And, and I and I got the grant. Um, but usually when you write songs, you aren't writing for commissions. Right. But um, but when I was writing a lot on commission, like these these sound these pieces that use sampled sounds and voices and stories, and we didn't even talk about that. A lot of my work is actually inspired by telling stories. Yeah. But um, um, I learned that every time, like I'd get I'd I'd get high on the idea, mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. uh, most of the time I won the grant. If I didn't get the grant. Boy, I'd sink down low, and that yeah. was that for that. But if I got the grant, then there'd be another high. Yeah. And then I'd start writing the piece, and in the beginning, there's that excitement. Mm-hmm. Wow, possibility. Mm-hmm. Yes. You imagine all these possibilities. These this is going to be so good. <laughs> oh, cool. Yeah. And then I reached that middle period where I go like, this isn't going to be that cool. Yeah. I'm not really sure about this at all, <laughs> right? And, and this is on a larger piece because yeah. yeah. it's, it's a little different when you're doing with a three-minute, four-minute, five-minute yeah. song. Um, although the same the same sort of things can happen, but they're sort of briefer yeah. and shorter times in between. So then I reached this trough, and I would walk away from that piece. Yeah, I It would yeah. be dead except that I had this commission. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's... Maybe it's 10,000. Maybe it's, you know, more. Um, And not only do I, you know, not want to send the money back, but I feel like I've got this responsibility. And I I think, no, I got to do this. And then I I finish the piece and and it always ends up being, you know, reasonably successful at accomplishing what I wanted to accomplish. And I I learned from that, that if I didn't get these commissions, Mm. I wouldn't do this work. Yeah. (laughs) And it's not so much for the money. Yeah. As it is for creating that yeah. expectation, yeah. not only myself but in others, that I'm going to complete like it. Like an accountability. Otherwise, thing. I I would reach that point of doubt. So you haven't maybe it. so much like hacked or or uh, created resiliency for that moment, but you've kind of again created it in this meta way where you have to set up your accountability first. Do you think that's that it's what you're kind of? I, I guess so. I never thought it through. Um, but I guess, I guess, I guess so. Yeah. Interesting. I think you're right. Although like oh, with man. the songs that I'm writing in piano, like, yeah, I mean, maybe the accountability is this person that I ran into who does house concerts. I went to a house concert and I, and at the intermission of somebody else performing, I, I said, would you consider like me just coming here on doing one on piano, doing these songs I'm writing. And she said, Oh yes. Yeah. And I said, really? Yeah. And she said, yeah, let's, let's do it like next March. And I said, okay. <laughs> oh, okay. And so now <laughs> I've got my deadline. Yeah. So you do, you kind of, you set up your accountability so that, yeah. Well, I mean, do you think that, do you think that there's anything kind of, special or substantial or or anything about even just that, you know, I I feel like when we put ourselves in these situations that are so vulnerable and I feel like creativity always is, um, you know, you're maybe some people just never get that low point. Uh, I don't know. I like to ask about it. I know I certainly do. Like I follow that same pattern that you were talking about. Um, do you do you think that there's anything kind of different about a person who do you, finds a way to deal with that, whatever it may you mean be? The way we do, yeah. The way the way that we 
you know, we meaning people who continue to create. Through the trough. Yes. Even to get through and it. I, and I don't mean just in art. I mean, I um like, let's talk about that, that art that is everything, you know, because some people, you know, art, art in your gardening, art in your parenting, art in, you know, whatever, um, creativity as applied to those things. I think a lot of people stop pushing through that trough or mm-hmm. stop setting up, you know, checks for their trough and just, you know, their world just shrinks. So do you, do you, what do you think that is that like lets some people or motivates some people to like keep being creative, that, that creative resiliency? I mean, it gets through that period of doubt that could stop you. Yeah. Gosh, I don't know. Um, if I can give an answer, um, but I'll, I'll try, I'll think. And, um, well, part of, a part of my mind goes to the idea that some people, because of their probably the way they were raised, something in their childhood, or maybe yeah. something genetic about them, um, uh, we all have doubts. Yeah. Um, I I believe, and um, even the people that you see who are super confident and you think they couldn't have any self doubt probably do. Yeah. And and actually, I'm kind of scared of if somebody who doesn't, and that you know, yeah. like. Uh, well, I won't name the person I'm thinking of, but um, uh, everybody knows this person, though. Um, uh, so I think that some people, though, um, are more hobbled by that. And um, again, beyond being an artist, just in their life, uh, when they doubt, it just stops them and they're not able to get through it. So, But for those that can or do at times... Um, I don't know if it's just a recovery of, of hope. I mean, you know, there's that expression, feel the fear, but do it anyway. Yeah. So maybe there's a bit of like, feel the doubt, yeah. but do it anyway. Um, maybe there is because you've set up some sense of accountability, whether it's because you have a commission or you made a commitment or you just made a commitment to yourself. I'm just kind of fishing around here because yeah, I, don't I don't think know. I really know the answer. I, I I wonder if it's something you can learn or if it is kind of more, it's, it's, it's genetic, it's your personality type, it's how you're wired. Um, I hope it's something we can learn. Well, I think that it is something uh, that if you apply some mindfulness to, yeah. because there is, uh, I mean, mindfulness can mean a lot of different things to different people. And a lot of it is just, you know, being aware, being aware of the present moment. But there's an element of it that, um, and you said you read Radical Acceptance by Tara Brock, yeah. uh, that gets into just uh, recognizing, um, having some self-compassion mm-hmm. for yourself and mm-hmm. recognizing mm-hmm. Um, the emotions and the obstacles that you uh, that you could sometimes create for yourself and just allowing them yeah looking just looking at them being yeah. with them because resisting them doesn't yeah. necessarily um, resisting often just uh, makes them stronger yeah uh, so sometimes it's to just welcome it let yeah. it be there Hi, so here you are doubt so fear. you could yeah exactly just go oh there I am that's doubt. And, and to not identify with it in the sense that doubt is universal. Yeah. It's not you. It's not you. Right. Yeah. So to recognize that doubt is in me right now, not even like I am doubting myself, but there is, there is doubt. Doubt is present. What does it feel like? 
Where yeah. is it in my body? Uh, what's underneath it? Um, and to just feel it and allow it and um, be with it. And that can be a way of not necessarily doing that in order to dispel it, because that becomes a little bit goal-oriented, but, yeah. but that can often happen uh, naturally um, by, by, do, by yeah. going through that process. Yeah. I think also like some of the stuff I was reading in your syllabus for your radical quiet, um, you know, uncertainty, Mm. like Mm -hmm. if uncertainty becomes something that isn't fearful, then it's just timing. Like I'm uh, having uncertainty in this composition at this moment. Maybe tomorrow I won't, you know, I mean, it's just, it's patience. It's not even so much doubt and fear as it is just like, Oh, I'll come back to this. Well, it's also negative capability in the sense that it it allows possibility. Yeah. Uncertainty, like certainty yeah. is kind of a nice thing to have at times, but it doesn't allow for that much possibility. Yeah. Uncertainty allows for much more. Yeah. Um, and um, uh, what was I going to say? I forget when you said about radical quiet. I was going to say something about that. But yeah, yeah, yeah maybe we'll come back. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I think I, I. Oh, I know what it was. Go ahead. Ambiguity, another yeah. thing related to uncertainty. And that's something that I uh, always include a little bit about in my composing a community class, uh, where I look for relationships between um, musical um, forms and processes and phenomena and. Uh, the same sorts of things in life. Mm. Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, a tolerance for ambiguity is something that... well, some people don't like it in music. You know, you yeah. hear people go to concerts, don't like modern music because, you know, it's because uh, they like classical music, but they like only 19th century. Genre problem again. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, and well, because I, I, I liken it to uh, visual art, you yeah. know, they, they, they probably, well, I think we've gotten more literate with uh, abstract art, but some people still aren't. And um, to me, I love Beethoven. I love Bach, so I'm yeah. not criticizing them. But um, and I love Mahler, who we, Charlotte just performed, and we also heard at the Utah Symphony. Mm. But those that that music has has a clear sort of almost narrative aspect. Yeah. There's melody, there's form, and, and it's it's like a, a painting of of uh, still life of fruit or people on a lawn having a picnic or, yeah. you know, but when you start to move into abstraction where there's no like real people, there's yeah. no like, what is it? And uh, to me, that's kind of like what music kind of moves into. Yeah, and some people just d- don't like that. And then particularly, you know, dissonance yeah. or music that's unresolved. Yeah. Now I know you like me, I love nothing better than a, yes. ending a song on a major seventh. Yes. <laughs> Or a major, I mean, uh, yeah, or a ninth, yeah. you know, and things Any like of that. The things. Just let it be. Just there's a richness to it, and yeah. um, and and I think that we can learn. Uh, so, so, but a lot of us in our lives can't tolerate ambiguity. Yeah, and and yet we can learn that that ambiguity, uncertainty, is this fruitful. Yeah. Place. Yeah. And, um, and, and I think music actually, you can listen and I do that in my class, like listen to this music, this and I, and, and appreciate that. Maybe yeah. you gain an appreciation for that now. And then I say, so when that happens in your life, mm-hmm. see if you can apply that yeah. same sense of appreciation. Absolutely. To just observe it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or just, or I've been thinking lately a lot about like, you know, having creativity about people, like, you know, 
if someone does or says something that you're like, I would never say that. I would never do that. Thinking like, what would have had to have happened for me to do that? Or what, what might be going on with that person? Like, why might they be that way? Mm -hmm. You know, and have applying that creativity and that ambiguity, you know, it's, it is so, it's like art, you know, when I was talking before about like the process, I feel like, you know, for me, like working on that art helps me work out things in my life. You know, my, my, my newest album is a lot about my mom who, um, is a narcissist. What was a narcissist. She passed away last year. Mm. Um, I'm sorry. It, it's okay. Um, we had a, a really difficult relationship. Mm. I think a lot of the I'm reason sorry for that too. Thank you. <laughs> a lot of the reason that I'm creative is because I think as a small child and like, you know, retrospect is very uh, memory is it's complicated, but I think sometimes that, you know, as a little child, I had to learn that creativity because when my mom was really, you know, angry with me for no reason or yelling at me for a lot of hours for no reason. Um, I, as a small child, I think had to have a story, have a narrative for Mm, that. mm -hmm. And it had to, it had to allow for her to not be a monster because I still needed her to be my mom. You Mm, know what I mean? mm -hmm. I, I, that story wasn't going to work. It, it couldn't allow for me to be a terrible child, at least not all the time. That also wasn't going to work. And I had to, I think, get a little creative about like how I was going to, um, internalize those things or move through those things or deal with them. Um, and now I'm kind of, you know, my, my mom has passed away. So, you know, very literally like there aren't new things to deal with. Um, and I, and it's all kind of memory and it's all kind of reflection. Um, you know, and also kind of like losing my faith, having like, you know, Mm. so my, my new album is it really like, the masks one? Yeah. So the music is me. Cause you know, my mom was a narcissist. That's mm. a mask. Mm-hmm. I, you know, is her, was that mask protecting her from something? Was it preventing her from feeling love? Um, you know, what are the masks of like faith versus knowing, you know, mm-hmm. I think those things are so, so I think for me, like a lot of, a lot of that project is, thinking through those things and it, and it's maybe less like what it, the songs end up being. Um, but well, yeah, think, like yeah, go ahead. feeling that kind of ambiguity in the process has mm-hmm. been, that's kind of what it's about for me. And then it gives me tools to understand my actual life. Well, I think that's your show. That's your song cycle. I know that you said masks includes some songs or about your mom, but it's also getting into other yeah. aspects of masks. Yeah. And I think that's great. But when I heard you talk about it just a moment ago, I thought you could have something really valuable to, to say to the world about that relationship with your mom in a in a kind of one woman show, yeah. uh, where you you know maybe tell little stories and you um, relate it and you express it in song. That that's yeah. something that you uniquely uh, could. It's definitely do. what I'm tried to do, you know. Yeah, and yeah. and and I'm and I'm like I said, I'm still trying to think about how to actually perform this music and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, how to actually kind of like interface it, you know, with with an audience, um, in person or online. 
Um, well, it might so, be more theatrical. Yeah, maybe. Or cabaret-ish or something, like a performance that isn't certainly where people are expecting Stevie Wonder. I'm um, I'm 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 no good at that in my own when when I when I and when I'm billed as Emily Merrill I'm no good at that That's kind of wonder. thing yes yeah yeah it needs to be anonymous or it doesn't work right um that's that's a situation where I need the full disguise you know I see so you you're not Emily Merrill when you do the right Stevie I mean the band is called the Diamond Empire Band it's not even I my band it. it's like a, an affiliate I see so I mean I sincerely no one knows my name oh okay got it so i mean the, you just the wedding to be planner the front extrovert right exactly <laughs> anyway you know yes i agree i feel very like interested in your thoughts about this and very kind of like you know maybe not on the same place as you you certainly have more experience than i have but i definitely feel like i'm in the <laughs> i'm in the realm of that that kind of a feeling. Is there anything else about this conversation of, of artifice? Who are we? Who is art? What is art that you want to say? Well, I, I thought about art a little bit. I thought about the word artifice and articulation. And I thought like, um, the way I, uh, think of art, where did I, I wrote something down, but it's like, I think of it as that human beings have the capability to make things and craft things mm. and create things from their experience, from mm. what they experience in themselves, in their bodies, and, and in the outside and in the world. And um, so, I think of art in a very large sense. That really, it's anything that we make. I mean, some people can think of like you know that these 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 cactuses here yeah. are art. And, you know, I think they are in the sense that we um, impose, you know, our own, like they're, they're beautiful. And, and so we think it's nature's art. Um, but I, I think that I think of art as something that humankind does um, with what is presented to us. And I think that's what mm. we do. We all have that capability as human beings. One um, thing that I learned when I came to Utah was about the song dog myth. Um, yeah. I, I actually picked your... it up from a Terry Tempest Williams book, but she picked it up from the Navajo. Yeah. And uh, the Navajo have a legend that uh, before there was anything on the earth, uh, a coyote emerged from a hole in the ground and came out onto this barren earth and opened its mouth and sang the world into yeah. existence. And so they call it a song dog. Yeah. And I love that because it, um, it points to our ability to create yeah. Through, through our voice, whether yeah. literal or figurative, through our actions. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think that that's what we do as artists. And by that, I mean every human being. Yeah. That we are artists in the world presented with light and, and people and situations, emotions that we can, we, we are. F Doing, we have the capability to do something with, and we are all yeah. doing that. Whether we do it on the stage or we do it through uh, becoming successful and being known as somebody who does that, yeah. or whether we're doing that through our daily life, whatever uh, life that is. Yeah. Um, and to, that to have a concept of ourselves that that life isn't just something that happens and that is just given to us, although it is given to us, but that we are in it and that we are in it as far as it being a creation. Life yeah. is being created. Yes. Every moment. 
Yeah, it's and not we are a, part of that creation. Yes, I love that idea. It's not like a past tense, like it was created. It's like it's, it's always in kind of motion, and each of us is part of that. Yes. Yeah. Amen. Yes. <laughs> okay. Is there any? Um, oh, I always ask everybody, "What's your dream collaboration or your dream project?" S- sky's well, the limit. Thing. Yeah. Well, dream whichever one you prefer. Would mean like a I prefer a collaboration. You prefer, but a collaboration? It, you could also say like you know. You could do a collaboration without naming names, but like, I'd like to do this type of multimedia or, you know, or you can just say your dream project. Well, I, I'll tell you one thing about collaboration that I, I am a great collaborator. I mean, I enjoy collaborate. I don't mean like I'm a great collaborator. What I mean is I, um, I'm great at enjoying yeah. the process of collaboration. And I did that with my groups with Harold and Flavi and Charlotte. Um, I write the songs, but we all collaborate as far as the arrangement, the presentation, yeah. um, but as far as actually collaborating on a project, like from beginning, something like writing a, I'm a little, I find a little bit problematic because mm. uh, although I've done it, mm. um, that then it becomes like if you really wanted to make it what you wanted to make it, like yeah. then then it could be it be a little bit problematic yeah. unless you're going into it like that you're a true. Yeah, collaborative person. I think ultimately yeah. I am more of a like, I want to create yeah. my thing. You want to curate. I want to curate yeah. and then I'm fine yeah. uh, giving it to others sure. and then having others well, I interpret it. I think that could be, I think that could be like a, like a large scale co- collaboration. You know, you do all the music and then there's a, you know, maybe like a visual component that's Someone else's, but whatever you want. Well, just, what's, I, I what's would your love dream? to write a sh- a show, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, but I don't know that I ever will because uh, for a number of reasons. Uh, and and I'm kind of preferring to deal on smaller scale mm. because it's realizable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and a show would be something that if you wrote a whole show, then you've got to get it produced and you've got, you know, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. And, and, and if you've worked on it for years, which it takes and it's not, and it's didn't make it, then what was that all about? And, you know, that kind of stuff scares me. Yeah. So practical, practical constraints aside, aside. tell me about, your show i mean i realize it's not like a thing but like are, is there dancing you know just um just, well you know. i actually right now i don't i at certain times you could have asked me i might have had a specific show in mind um so so i don't have a specific one in mind but the show uh could be could have dancing but it might not be i think ultimately i wouldn't want to write um necessary uh an entertainment mm-hmm. I'd want it to have, um, not that you can't have dance and have depth, but um, I'd approach it more from uh, it having some sort of meaning. Yeah. So, but I wish I could give you a specific. Now, I can tell you a couple of years ago, I came up with the idea. I thought, well, since I'd like to write a show, but I'm probably not going to uh, because it's too big a deal to think about. Yeah. Maybe I could write what I call like sort of um a mini show, twenty yeah. minutes, yeah. that I could do myself, yeah, with a maybe you know with a piano, or guitar, uh, maybe a little bit of staging. Maybe I put on a hat at some point. Yeah. Maybe I play a character, and I did have like a, a little plot in yeah. mind uh, about a couple of women in New Jersey who come out to uh, Colorado because their magazine subscriptions were canceled, and they heard that there's this place in Colorado where they call people, and and yeah. and, and I had like an Emily, not Emily. Um, Lily Tomlin mm, kind mm. of character in mind. 
behind oh, she's, it. Well, th- I was just going to ask who stars in your show. Okay, so there Tomlin, you go. Yeah, Tamlin. This uh, is what I mean. Like, just what's yeah, the, what's yeah. The big so they dream? get on this bus in New Jersey, yeah. and uh, they, they, they meet so at a diner, and they're going to get out there and they're going to complain. Who are these people out there in Colorado who don't let us have our new magazine subscriptions? And um, and uh, yeah, and oh, I think it was in Boulder, Colorado. So they get on the bus to Boulder, Colorado, and it was just, yeah. you know, a little jaunty song. <laughs> yeah. And that's uh, a dream project. That's I would say that's a collaboration. It's yours, yes. but it's Lily Tomlin's, you know? <laughs> yes. Well, if it really reached that level that's, of being a Broadway a, show. It is a dream. But I thought so, at first yeah. it's like kind of a little 20 minute oh, yeah. thing, like maybe just four songs yeah. that I just do. And I and I become the Lily Tomlin character right. and uh, say a few words and then do the song and yeah. uh, and, and just kind of uh, cast the songs that way. So, sure. so it'd be a little... You know, different from just a, but but yet it could be done in a in a in a coffee house or in yeah. a club where you maybe you're doing an hour uh, set and you're doing some other songs. Yeah. Um, but in the middle, you go, okay, now folks, I'm going to do this, this little thing, and thing it's yet. like this twenty minute yeah. thing. And I thought it could be. And then what I like about it is I like to be practical, and uh, that if that if that seemed to work well, yeah. then you can move it to the next Scale level. Scale it up, right? You know, play it for a theater company. Say, would you yeah. like? What do you think? Could you do something with this? And then. Yeah. Okay, I'll write the rest of it, you know, something like that. I love it. That's perfect. (laughs) Even your dreams, like your practical first in your dreams, which I think is, that is, it's it's very special. It's very telling. Um, well, and yeah. even thank you. But, and even these little solo songs. And I do feel like there's something to it, both for myself psychologically, and maybe even for the audience, like sort of an unplugged sort of thing yeah. to see. Like, like actually, these songs that I've been thinking about doing were all new songs. Yeah, but. For some reason last night, I sat down and did a couple of Red Rock Rondo songs just on yeah. the piano, just me. And yeah. one of them changed character entirely from the way new... we did it. And I thought, wow, that could yeah. be interesting. And people might enjoy that coming to a show, hearing a song that they recognize, yeah. but done in a different way. And, and and so there's just that as like a solo thing. But then also there's this one song I keep hearing cello on, hmm. or I could hear English horn on. Yeah. I think, well, okay, I could start inviting people up on stage, you yeah. know, and then it's like forming a group again absolutely and and, yeah. and and i'm not sure which way to go with that because it would have more color that way Maybe you could do both you mean in the same show no. or at different times Sep- yeah different times that's a good idea yeah. that's what i'll do see what happens <laughs> see how they kind of change exactly okay where can people find you and your work on the internet and- well uh, i have a web page that was created back in the late 90s it's a nice looking web page but because it was created in the late 90s i don't have audio files it's missing on some it. functionality yeah exactly but you can get from there to some other things um it's called and it's just my last name bimstein b-i-m-s-t-e-i-n uh, dot com and that'll take you like to Red Rock Rondo, my chamber folk group that did the song cycle on Zion and also an- another song cycle with a symphony orchestra. Um, there's some NPR interviews uh, and things like that. Um, that. You know, then I also have not linked to that because I'm just sort of behind on this stuff. I have a number of things on SoundCloud. Yeah. I also have things back way back on MySpace. If it's, <laughs> I think it's still yeah. there. Um, I'm too young for that. I was like a child when yeah, MySpace was yeah, yeah, happening. But there's, but there's, I missed it. Yeah. And then, you know, and then there's YouTube things. Like, for example, if people wanted to hear my Brahma Vihara Symphony uh, for Charlotte, performed by the Salt Lake Symphony, there's a YouTube 
video of the performance. Yeah, great. And uh, they and there's also an audio download at SoundCloud, I think, uh, for free, and uh, so people can hear it that way. So there's a, you know, or if plenty you, or, to find. Yes, or if, or if you want, if you're at the University of Utah, come to, and in the Honors College, come take one of my courses. And your uh, classes sound amazing. They they well, thank you. Uh, they're amazing to me because of of what I learned from the students yeah. and the experiences that we share, mm -hmm. and 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 the progress that these students are making with themselves. Yeah, because there's That's a lot that goes on. Too. There's a lot of yeah. academic study, but there's a lot of processing of themselves. Yeah. you know. And I had one woman who took my radical quiet course. Young woman, twenty years old, said she's been having a crippling anxiety and debilitating yeah. depression for ten years, wow. and she never learned to just sit with it and be with it, yeah. and she finds. She wasn't even leaving her room for half the day, wow. um, and she's and she's wrote a paper where she's making some progress with wow. this stuff. And when I witness students, and and sometimes they compliment the course for doing this. I say, you know, you did the work. Yeah, I'm just presenting these ex possibilities yeah. and experiences for you. It's what if you have a moment like that. You know, or another young man yeah. who happened to call one of his friends when his friend was just about to commit suicide. Mm. And he went over to be with his, and because he's a communications major, he kept like talking to him and telling him it's okay and telling him he was loved and da 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 da. And he said, it's like throwing pebbles at a mountain. Mm. He realized his words were doing no yeah. good. And he, and he remembered that what we studied, one of the things we studied in this class is just being quiet yeah. with somebody. So he just got quiet, sat on the floor with him, bore all the suffering with yeah. him, got him through it. And, you know, when I, when I read things like that and I say, boy, you did that work. Yeah. You, that's something you accomplished. So credit yeah. yourself for that. And that, and that, so when you say it's amazing, yeah, it's amazing yeah. when I witness that in my students. Yeah. That's beautiful. I love that. I want to take your class. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're, you're, you're welcome to. <laughs> I, maybe I will. No, actually, I'd like you to come teach one of my classes. I would also love that. Yeah, because what we talked about in this class, like early on you talked about you're right in tune with the uh, Composing a Community class. Yeah. And I'm sure that you could come up with some ways of relating your musical process you. and what you understand about music to the ways we relate as people. Yeah, and I certainly have thoughts about that. That would be great. <laughs> great. I'm looking forward to all those things. Okay, good. Thank me you too. so much for being here and talking Thank with me you, today. Thank you, Emily. I'm really honored to have been here. Thank been you very much. My pleasure. Thanks for listening to Artifice. Our music is by Jerem Hansen and artwork by Savannah Kiniston. If you'd like to recommend a professional artist for an interview on the podcast, please send me a note through my website, emvocals.com. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks again. Have a great week.